The best in Bitcoin made audible. You're listening to Bitcoin Audible with Guy Swan. What is up, crew? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, your host. I hope everyone is stacking their sats responsibly with their auto-stacking Bitcoin savings plan with Swan Bitcoin. SwanBitcoin.com slash guy is how you're going to find that one. We got a little read today, uh, and this one's really interesting. This is actually from Meltem Demirers, which I'm, I assume most people are, you know, know who Meltem is. She's very big in the whole space, very prominent. And she had a really interesting, rather honest take on what crypto is like looking at the whole scope and i thought it was a really decent analogy because it's super easy to go and i think it's actually the the most responsible shorthand is to just be like it's all shit coins but there is there is a degree of real people trying to solve real problems despite the fact that i consider the token itself and indeed the very idea of a utility token uh basically worthless so when i first stumbled across this piece i thought this was a really interesting analogy and i think it leads to a a clever perspective for painting the picture around what is happening in these thousands of other projects uh external to bitcoin in the in the quote-unquote crypto space now, there's some general ideas that I really want to push back on when I do Guy's take on this, but there is a, there's a grain of truth in this that I actually kind of like. All right, so again, this is by Meltem Demirers, and it was published in uh, it was November 10th of 2019, so last year, at uh, the time of reading, and it is titled, Crypto is Modern Alchemy. Evolving from pseudoscience into protoscience, or devolving into religion? You're probably wondering, why is Meltem writing about alchemy? I thought we were supposed to be talking about this whole Bitcoin thing. Give me a moment to bend your ear, my friend. We will get there shortly. A Brief History of Alchemy Alchemy comes from the Arabic word alchemia where Camilla referred to the act of casting metal. Early alchemy was concerned with purifying and perfecting certain materials, such as transmuting base metals like lead into noble metals like gold, creating an elixir of immortality, or creating panaceas to cure any disease. One of the goals was untangling the mysteries of spirit and soul, and the role of humans in the larger mysteries of the universe, or achieving gnosis. Sidebar, as you may have now noticed, many crypto firms are named after ideas associated with alchemy. I find this deeply ironic, and by the end of this post, I hope you will too. Alchemy often has negative connotations and calls up images of sorceresses, witches, and snake oil salesmen. Alchemists were seen as charlatans who wanted to get rich quick or uncover some esoteric mystery via dark magic. But practitioners of alchemy also had good intentions and wanted to use knowledge as a tool to help humanity for the better. Now, more interesting than alchemy itself is the role these pursuits play in the development of branches of philosophy, 
chemistry, biology, physics, geology, and more. What began as a pseudoscience with its roots in mysticism began to evolve into proto-science with practical applications and very real implications for the future of humanity. Allow me to provide a very brief and incomplete history on alchemy. The first few millennia of alchemy are largely lost to us today, but we know the Egyptians made significant advances in metallurgy and the Chinese in chemistry. The first well-preserved records of alchemy begin in the Arabic world, around 800 AD, with an alchemist known as Jabir ibn Hayyan. He was one of the first to introduce the idea of experimentation to alchemy, writing, quote, The first essential in chemistry is that thou shouldest perform practical work and conduct experiments, for he who performs not practical work nor makes experiments will never attain to the least degree of mastery. Note that Jabir was also a futurist. One of his goals in his studies and experimentation was to uncover taquin, or the ability to create artificial human life in a laboratory. The tradition of Arabic alchemy was further extended in Europe 400 years later, following the Dark Ages and during the Renaissance. For the first time, Arabic texts were translated into Latin, and theologians, students of religion, began to incorporate elements of chemistry, biology, and astrology into their research and writing. From 1300 to 1700, alchemists explored their art in search for medicines, mining, metals production, and other entrepreneurial areas. Many alchemists were also entrepreneurs who sought to solve new problems or take advantage of new opportunities using science. In the 1600s, chemistry began to diverge from the general field of alchemy, morphing into a proto-science. Its earliest practitioners were Boyle, remember Boyle's Law from Chemistry, and Isaac Newton. Now, interestingly, Boyle was one of the first chemists to keep track of his extensive experiments, to repeat them over and over again while making slight changes to the parameters and publishing the methods and details of his work in language that could be widely understood. From the legacy of Boyle came a proliferation of chemistry breakthroughs, including Lavoisier's new categorization of the elements, away from Aristotle's air, earth, wind, and fire, to metallic and non-metallic elements, and Mendeleev's subsequent organization of these elements by atomic weight, into the atomic table we use today. So, alchemy began as a pseudoscience, and certain areas of inquiry, like the study of materials, became proto-sciences, i.e. chemistry, and are now established branches of science. The discovery of new truths is a process that takes time and is often defined by curiosity and experimentation. The new knowledge that is gained through these discoveries is then applied in a variety of ways and further commercialized to be useful in medicine, industrial processes, and more. Lastly, I'll also note that alchemy wasn't simply about science. Science and spirituality have always been deeply connected, as science is the quest for understanding why and how phenomena in the natural and supernatural world occur. Alchemy has influenced philosophy, sociology, psychology, and theology alike, and certain branches of alchemy have become their own mystical religious communities. Crypto is largely pseudoscience.
My view is that most of the, quote, crypto industry today is still in the pseudoscience phase. I also believe that crypto generally covers a large range of ideas, and further segmentation is likely needed, just as alchemy was a broad category of lines of inquiry until it was further refined into distinct sciences, pseudosciences, and religion or mysticism. We can observe this by looking at the liberal use of latex font, calling everything a white paper in an attempt to legitimize the content therein, the liberal use of largely meaningless and random words, the reliance on memes and other esoteric forms of shared context and shared culture amongst practitioners, the lack of empirical evidence supporting the claims of practitioners, and the dependence on appeals to authority and other methods of establishing relevance and validity. The treatment of any criticism as a coordinated attack on the community. The lofty and all-encompassing goals of many crypto projects, which span philosophy, politics, economics, networking, computer science, mathematics, and ethics, yet cannot clearly articulate how it will actually work. I've been speaking about crypto as financial alchemy for some time, and perhaps it's fair to say that some small subset of crypto communities will continue to exist as pseudoscience and religious revival-style movements, although I feel this era of blind faith is largely coming to an end. In order for our industry to evolve and mature, there has to be a move from pseudoscience to protoscience, and it seems like the market agrees. Today, it is unclear what it is that crypto achieves or how, aside from Bitcoin, see below, and to a degree, Ethereum. And there is little consensus on what a blockchain is, aside from the technical definition of the Bitcoin blockchain and its function. In order for, quote, the industry to be respected as such, industry participants and outside analysts have to be able to identify, gather and analyze data to tell the story of why this industry matters and how it might impact technology, markets, politics, society, and our broader world. As an investor, it's my job to take this one step further and use the unique data, insights, and relevant context and expertise I have to identify where and when some of these changes might happen and who will be poised to benefit, not just financially, but also socially and politically. Evolving into proto-science Now the challenge comes of taking something so large, all-encompassing and esoteric, and refining it into its essential building blocks and discrete components for further study and analysis. Much has been written on this topic, but the intellectual domain comprising Bitcoin is quite large, one of the reasons I enjoy working in this industry is precisely because a comprehensive understanding of Bitcoin involves a mixture of so many different domains. The intellectual domain of Bitcoin, the social phenomena, the observable phenomena, and the abstract thought, covering as many disciplines as sociology, etymology, philosophy, theology, mathematics, economics, science, history, and politics. For many market analysts, Bitcoin is the easiest to understand, largely because it is the most observed and best studied, thanks to 10 years of on-chain data. 
and because it has branched into other existing and emergent sciences, as evidenced by academic institutions and research organizations gathering and analyzing data related to the Bitcoin protocol, the Bitcoin network, and applications and use cases of Bitcoin, mostly financial. Perhaps another way of expressing this preference is to evaluate how developed and systematic the intellectual domain around Bitcoin is, compared to the other crypto assets and more esoteric ideas like blockchain. Maybe there's a more nuanced way to look at this, but to me, there are a lot of things that are clearly in the cult superstition section. Love you forever, Taco Coin. And a lot of things that are in the pseudoscience domain and attempting to become proto-science. I'm very interested to see more work begin to happen in further segmenting, analyzing, and advancing the fields of inquiry around crypto. One of the things that I enjoy most as someone who analyzes this space is making frameworks, charts, and graphs in hope that people will take these and use them, improve on them, and share them widely. What do you think will propel crypto forward as a field of study? and a legitimate area of inquiry. All right, and that will close it out. Uh, this was on Meltem's Musings, by the way. It was on her, uh, her like, uh, lose newsletter blog thing that you can get. I'll, uh, uh, I'll be sure to link to that at meltdim.substack.com uh, just so that you can check that out because she has uh, a lot of really interesting writing up here. Um, but uh, this was... So, so I want to talk about, we'll hit our sponsor really quick here, but there's something funny in all of the garbage in the quote unquote crypto industry. In fact, I kind of really hate calling it the crypto industry because just in general, crypto has become such a bad word because it's just like, just like alchemy, she says, you know, it's like sorcerers and snake oil salesmen and all this stuff is that it's been so over flooded in that, that I think we kind of lose, we kind of think as quote unquote crypto as this industry of altcoins, where I think the altcoins themselves are not even an industry. They, they are a distraction to what actually could be a value in these systems. Uh, but uh, before, we, before I get into it, let's go ahead and hit, um, uh, hit our sponsor and then we will jump right back in. All right, so this is a Bitcoin podcast, and I want to talk about Bitcoin really quick in, uh, in kind of uh, the light of something that she touched on here in this article. And that is that I think Bitcoin itself may end up being a, an almost unique science because it's combining, uh, it's combining a set of external... Um, uh, disciplines where none can actually wholly articulate what it is that Bitcoin is and uh, what sort of like there isn't like a consensus science in the digital realm like that like uh, not one that I think is um, uh, substantial enough to designate its own its own area of study. Um, and just like how chemistry arose from alchemy, it's very possible that we end up seeing something come from the, the overwhelming success of Bitcoin is that we have a unique 
and very defined perspective as to how we think of these things. Now, where I think all crypto goes wrong, all tokens go wrong, is the 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 complete the misunderstanding of economics um, in my mind is that this is a failure to understand monetary history and that this is actually regardless of if there is a and an, a unique discipline like a, like a way to think about this that is unique for historical perspective um regardless of that this is a monetary technology so maybe it's just uh maybe it's more clear that you know this is an extension and better defining of a branch of monetary economics that we've never had before and and it's one that's mixed in the digital space that's di that's mixed in cryptographic systems and and communication protocols which is funny because if you really think about it that's what money is in the physical world it's a, it's a natural a protocol of you know hard cryptography in a sense is that you know the atomic structure can't be faked it is easy to defend and validate the the truth of gold as as a unit um and then it is also a communications mechanism it is it is a protocol for communicating value with each other that's why i love the analogy of that bitcoin is a language money is a linguistic tool for communicating value between disparate parties, parties that do not have cultural similarities or that do not have, like when all the other barriers, or excuse me, when all the other, uh, the barriers are too high or when all the other ways of communication and um, uh, cooperation break down, the money is the last tool of, it's the final tool of economic cooperation. It means that outside of, you know, local community trust, outside of, ooh, you're a friend of a friend and I know you, outside of the fact that we can clearly communicate via language, outside of all these other barriers that, that uh, may be too large or that these connections that we may not have, we can independently trust the money. I can still trust, even if you've sailed from across the ocean, I have no idea who you are, I know the value of this thing and i can trust that independently of trusting you you give it to me i give you this and you know our ability to efficiently trade and uh, be mutually beneficial to each other is exponentially more effective so that is that is what money is in the grand scheme of things it is the ultimate tool of cooperation but there is something very unique in the bitcoin system that is about consensus alone and i don't know what is there it's not tokens i i really don't think that there are any altcoins i think 99.9 percent .9 of what is being done is to some degree a complete waste but even in even like kind of how meltem says in this article is that you know, if you, if you throw random things, if you just do random things over and over and over again, you change it, you tweak it just a little bit, something useful might come out of it. We might find out something else about these, about creating these networks, about creating a way of coming to consensus that has an application somewhere. I don't really think we have. Um, right now, the only thing that seems to make any sense for uh, the degree, the value and degree 
of cost in a proof of work system is money because it is the like like the only thing that um justifies i guess you could say that cost um that makes it absolutely worth it is mo a monetary good because money of course is the it's the security layer of a civilization it's the the independent means of communicating value and without it we don't have the division of labor money is the most important good of all goods hence why it's the most ubiquitous therefore it justifies an incredible cost um but there's something interesting in the fact that we can tie other things to it um and that's where i think this is this is much more of a tcpip situation this is much more of a, a dna situation is that we would it makes no sense to leverage separate protocols uh any more than it does it makes far more sense to leverage bitcoin to leverage the most secure because i think inherently anything particularly when you're considering the proof of work in general if you're using the same proof of work mechanism then nothing is secure if bitcoin exists like only the one with the most proof of work is secure enough to actually justify it in my opinion i think that's uh if there is anything to like you know all the forks of bitcoin the biggest problem is that they use the same hash function and somebody could you know cut off their s9s on bitcoin but for you know a couple of hours and at no cost they could screw somebody out of a massive amount of uh bcash but tether and stable coins like coinbase coinbase dollar or whatever it is these are actually useful tools they're completely trusted they are completely liable to a centralized institution they are uh they are completely counterparty uh uh, you, you know they have complete counterparty risk usdc isn't worth jack without the c without coinbase but it looks very similar to the if you're talking about something that has uh uh that has a centralized institution behind it that is a centralized token it's actually a little bit more interesting than other centralized tokens and it looks very similar to the free banking system that we had in the late 1800s is that the the notes the banknotes were actually notes for an institution is that you traded it it was backed by gold but you traded these notes based on the value and trust in the institution that they were submitted by so like bank a b and c you know citibank and um uh, a Deutsche Bank, whatever whatever banks you you have in the the system, would issue Deutsche Bank notes, Citibank notes, Cooperative Bank notes, et cetera, et cetera, and but they would all be uh, linked back to an amount of uh, gold, like there would be gold in the vaults. And so, if Citibank went under, if they were super insolvent, well, then their notes lost value. But it was only those who either specifically trusted knowing them as you know the liable party for the value of their note uh or who invested in that bank itself who lost it wasn't systemic across the economy and there's actually something there that i think could be valuable for um you know scaling and creating additional layers on top of bitcoin this is very similar to the idea of side chains which you know whatever comes out of this 
throwing shit at a wall all over the place and all of these crypto tokens and stuff, if there is any good code, if there is any interesting system that comes out of this, it's exactly the sort of thing that, you know, you figure out how to leverage on lightning or you figure out how to um, uh, attach to or tether to the Bitcoin system. Uh, like, what's that stupid... What's the one that, like, quote-unquote, secures all of these other altcoins by... It's like, what is it, Chainlink or some crap? God, what is it? Um, I don't know. Veriblock. Veriblock. I think that's it. But they, they hash all of these other chains into the Bitcoin system so that, you know, even though they have incredibly insecure um, uh, or much less, uh, much less decentralized, like far more centralized teams and all of this stuff, you can at least get an idea of a independent history just by checking the Bitcoin blockchain. Is that you can't reorg if, like, even in that client, let's say in the actual client of this, you know, altcoin or whatever it is, um, uh, if in that client it actually says check the Bitcoin hash, check the hash in each transaction that's, uh, you know, combined in the, the each of the blocks on this side chain or whatever it is, that's the that's the real truth. Well, then you're actually using Bitcoin's proof of work to, you know, uh, create chronology of a completely different set of transactions that are external to the network. And then with something like, uh, we just talked with Ruben Sompson about the potential for uh, one-way pegs, where you literally burn Bitcoin, and then it releases coins, like Bitcoin-pegged coins on a sidechain. And, you know, if you did that same thing and used that same method back to Bitcoin, you have the ability to create these payments and these, these subsystems that could extend to all sorts of other applications and could actually have the breadth of programmatic um, functions and you know, other features that Bitcoin can't have on the base layer. So there is some potential that all of this pseudoscience, all of this religious infighting and claims of I love one of the comments she says is that like all these ridiculous claims I remember uh, uh, watching uh, in the crypto Carolina uh, uh, conference uh, I went and somebody literally propo uh, proposed a blockchain that would like solve relationships and I was just like like I, I, like some of the stuff is literally like the amount of snake oil that was that has previously been in this quote-unquote industry uh, has been staggering. It's almost, it's almost scary how much a parody of itself it seems like it is. Like, I was literally kind of like looking around in that audience when I was watching that presentation. I was like looking around and I'd be like, why is nobody laughing? I'm trying really, really hard not to laugh right now. <laughs> But, uh, and I think Melton was right, you know, accord, at the end of 2019, and I think we'll see this going forward, particularly with looking at the industry um, uh, uh, with obviously, well, in, in my opinion, the clear return to focus on Bitcoin, on, on this as a monetary technology, um, but that some of the underlying pieces may be useful somewhere. This is, in the end, a cryptographic system. This is the largest deployment of public-private key cryptography that has ever existed. That, in and of itself, is fascinating. And no matter what 
no matter how negatively I think of the crypto industry as a whole, I feel like there is something else to learn from this aside from money. Even though I think it's largely a distraction, I am glad that at least somebody else is wasting their resources and throwing shit at the wall to see if anything sticks. And who knows, you know, like, like if when we have coders and people, when we actually have a set of this industry that is moving fast and breaking things, somebody might stumble upon something. Somebody might stumble upon a very clever system or um, uh, some new uh, uh, way to think about signatures. Like there's more work being done just on cryptographic signatures than ever before in, in history, like ever. Um, and that is fascinating in and of itself. Uh, and that, that, that Bitcoin has spurred this explosive thing that, yes, got filled with sorcerers and snake oil salesmen and people who thought they could put love on the blockchain. But I think that may be a natural progression of something that is so misunderstood. It's part of the narrowing down to, like, I think the reason we can so better define Bitcoin today is because we did so many attempts at badly defining it. Like we, we took this technology and we created so much garbage that it, it's easier to see the thing that actually works when it rises from that. And then we have a clear distinction of like, okay, these 2000 things didn't work. Why did this one? You know, like, I feel like sometimes the only way to get the right answer or to know why the right answer was right to begin with is to do it wrong a billion times and be able to look at the difference between them. And there is something that the difficulty of trying to explain Bitcoin without going into so many different disciplines as a networking technology, as a cryptographic system, as a sociological phenomenon as an economic an economic and like monetary system like there are so many different pieces to this thing i feel like there's something incredibly unique in it something that could very well deserve um its own way of thinking its own scientific perspective uh, and i don't know what that is maybe it's just an extension and a broadening of one of these other disciplines but it's, it's unique enough and it's hard enough to understand that I'm very curious and uh, happy to see people trying it in every stupid way that you possibly could. I, even though I think of all of these tokens as garbage and I, I think the economics is backwards, I'm not really that upset that they exist except for the people who get screwed investing in them. That is the one thing that I'm like, ugh, like, like I wish we could make this transition without all this pain, but I am not sure that that is anything but kind of a natural and necessary progression of this thing. Um, but we're seeing it fall away. I don't think we'll have another massive, you know, I mean, just like Melton says in, you know, a part of this article is that kind of the blind faith era has fallen away. And we're realizing that if there's anything here, like it needs to produce, you know, there needs to be something real in, in the industry. Um, but I think we're going to, in the next couple of years, see all of this shift toward, we're going to do this again in a narrower scope. 
um, a scope of uh, what is actually working. And we're going to do that again. So, so rather than like, let's say like right now in, in the crypto space, we have this wall that's like a thousand feet by a thousand feet and it's massive and we have no idea what is actually good for anything. Um, in, in the general sense, so many people come in with the complete wrong impression. Everybody's just throwing crap at the wall and so much of it is garbage and you know it, it turns into scams people are like oh my god i can just do this and make tons of money and all of that is falling away and then we've got this tiny spot on this wall this 10 by 10 area where something persisted where something actually produced a thing uh and uh and now we basically do this all over again we go back to this more narrow approach where we can actually discern what existed and why it may have existed um, and uh, uh, what Bitcoin has actually pushed forward. I think we're going to fall away with the whole idea that this is about, uh, you know, super fast and cheap transactions. This is a monetary phenomenon. Like, like the, every single time that Bitcoin doesn't die, even though we've got like a dollar fee or $2 fees um, on, you know, larger transactions like today, uh, I think we're going to prove that this is a security system and you're paying for something real and measurable. And that can be extended to so many different layers and so many different applications. It's actually unbelievably cheap if you understand how and why it works. But it's exactly those people saying that it doesn't, that Bitcoin is dead because of fees. Bitcoin is dead because blocks are slow and all this crap. And then it doesn't die, that the narrative falls away that we realize that they're simply wrong and it's in testing this thing over time. A lot of people learn that way, like society in general, like uh, Thomas Paine said um, and in Parker Lewis's piece, time makes more converts than reason. Things will fall in place and we will learn things because of what survived and what didn't. And maybe on the other side, there's something incredibly unique that comes out of this. Uh, and hopefully we learn a lot. But yeah, that's, uh, that's my thinking on this. And I thought this was a kind of a clever analogy that um, was worth digging into about what the hell is crypto for an analogy to history. And hopefully something comes out of it aside from a whole bunch of wrecked noobs. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, I know probably everybody knows of and follows Meltem, but um, I will post uh, her Twitters in the link or excuse me, in the show notes and a link to Meltem's musings. Uh, if you want to check out her uh, newsletter, blog, writings, stuff, whatever you want to call it. And of course, a thank you for Meltem for letting me cover this one on the show. And that'll close us for today. I hope you guys are stacking sats with Swan Bitcoin. They are supporting and keeping the audible of the Bitcoin space alive. Uh, that is us. That is Bitcoin Audible. So if you want to set up your DCA, your automatic purchase and withdrawal of Bitcoin, uh, do so uh, at swanbitcoin.com slash guy, and they'll know uh, that I sent you, and you'll be helping out the show at the same time. Of course, subscribe to Bitcoin Audible and share this out with everybody you know 
in the Bitcoin and crypto economy space. And until next time, guys, take it easy.